Welcome to the Texas Tribune Tribcast, the only place where you can merge and marry a podcast with the Texas Tribune. I'm Texas State Representative Trey Martinez-Fisher. Thank you for joining us at the Texas Tribune and the Tribcast, and thank you for supporting good, honest, open, and sometimes quirky journalism. Thank you. This is reporter Reeve Hamilton here with the Tribcast for the third week of May. I am joined by CEO and Editor-in-Chief Evan Smith. Yo, Reeve, what's up? Not much. You, you sound much hipper than your creaking chair over there. That's his back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not my chair. It's my bones. <laughs> uh, executive editor Ross Ramsey is also here. Howdy. And editor Emily Ramshaw. Good day. <laughs> Thank you. I dared Emily to do the whole thing in a British accent. We'll see if she does it or not. We're not done yet. Please don't do your British accent. <laughs> my God. What uh, do you have against the Brits? I have something against your British accent. Oh, my British accent is excellent. Well, you two don't start fighting. Speaking of fighting, yeah, you that like the head that worked. That worked yeah. very well. First podcast, uh, yeah. Actually, uh, so <laughs> Been we're gonna, here before. <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, lieutenant governor's race. You know, the David Dewhurst is the sitting lieutenant governor. He's running against uh, Dan Patrick, who's a state senator. They have Both a of runoff. them are Anglo's, I think. Yep, good one. I was going to make that joke too, but you still. Both of them are what? Anglo's. Anglo's. Okay. Race. We're going to talk about their race. Keep talking. Oh, okay. Just think this is off to a good start, Reed. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, well. You say that every week, and every week it actually isn't. It is not. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what were we saying about them? They are. They just had a debate. They had a debate this week, and it was amazingly civil considering uh, the state of that race. And who wants to comment and on considering that? Considering the fact that the Dewhurst camp, by which I mean – Broadly defined, right? So, Jerry Patterson? Yes. Okay, got it. Uh, has, who's Jerry Patterson? Has been just beating the crap out of Patrick over this medical history, uh, mental health, what have you, over the last couple of Well, weeks. now we're voting. Yeah. You know, this is, you know, right. last week when we were, two weeks ago when we weren't voting, we had sort of the carnivores debate, the WFAA thing where uh, they just really kind of tore into each other. And they is Dewhurst, Dewhurst and, and Patrick. Patrick. And, and Ross Ramsey, the moderator, I stood just, there on live television with a smirk on his face the whole time. Just sitting in the middle going, but, 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 but. Yeah, I've been <laughs> there. Kind of yeah. trying to get a word in. <laughs> yeah, you have. I think been. I got more words in feel there right now. Than, than Evan did yes. in the Julian Castro, Dan Patrick debate. But, but not my, many. But my pointing was better. But this is all based on this information sort of unearthed and, and revealed by Jerry Patterson, the land commissioner. He finished fourth in the first round of lieutenant governor. Has he – no, I mean, I keep reading here and elsewhere that he's the one who released the stuff. Has he actually said, I did it? Yeah. He's acknowledged. Yeah. It's okay. not like shaggy. And by stuff, we're talking about medical records uh, released in the course of a lawsuit um, that basically indicated that Dan Patrick uh, was in some kind of uh, psychiatric facility in the 1980s. Treated and hospitalized twice, in uh, once in 82, once in 86, for depression and uh, hospitalized for more than a week each time. And there was evidence of a suicide attempt in, in one of these things where he overdosed on some pills and had some what were described as minor lacerations on his wrist. So Patrick came back to all of this and said, basically, you know, I did go through some depression issues. I dealt with them. I was treated for them. We shouldn't make light of this. We shouldn't use it as a negative campaign thing. And by the way, I haven't been treated or medicated since 1987 in relation to any of this stuff. 
let's move on. So this has become sort of the arguing ground in the debate. It looks like, I mean, you know, we'll know on Tuesday after all the votes are counted, it looks like to some extent it splashed back on the attackers instead of on Patrick. Mm-hmm. And Dewhurst is running away from Patterson on it, saying, you know, it wasn't me, it was Jerry. I asked him not to do it. Uh, Patterson's saying, I think Do you believe that Dewhurst had nothing to do with it? I don't, I, you know, Dewhurst himself maybe, but, you know, I think his campaign was involved, and I think people around him were involved. Well, and there were emails back and forth between the Dewhurst campaign and Patterson. Well, between uh, Joe Monero, who is a guy who was giving some advice to Dewhurst, but the Dewhurst campaign says was never on the payroll. I mean, they're trying to get some distance here and say the campaign didn't have anything to do with this. Very you know, lawyerly language. But the yeah, Dewhurst campaign also has no problem coming out and releasing statements that say, but we are so glad that Dan Patrick got the help that he needed for his mental health issues. Yeah, by the well, way, did I mention they, he's got mental glad. health issues? It was written by the crocodile and Peter Pan. It was just, you know, mm-hmm. crocodile tears. But, there, but, but backing up, I mean, is it not a legitimate point to bring up? If a newspaper reporter had gotten a hold of it, would they not have... Newspaper, have well, Reeve, I would make the observation to you that newspaper reporters had gotten a hold of it. From Jerry Patterson. Well, newspaper, and they turned around and yelled look, at Jerry Patterson this, about it th- after there, they reported there, it. There was an open <laughs> conversation about the prospect of these records existing and the possibility of Dan Patrick having had issues of this sort in the past long before this stuff was uh, was released to the press but the prospect and the records it, are it, different it, things it wasn't like we were all we were all caught off guard by this right well you know the details of it probably but you know there was a lot of talk about maybe this happened maybe he went through this yeah. home or that home but the conversation really, honestly, had more to do with you know, show me. Let's see some. Let's see some proof, some documentation for this. We're talking about a thirty-year-old bankruptcy. Right. We've been talking about it the whole race. You know, that's something that's old. Now we're talking about a thirty or twenty-five-year-old mental health problem. You you can argue about, and I think there's a, a reasonable argument to have about whether these things pertain to the race here. Whether this has to do with his ability to do the job, his capacity for it. Um, Patterson, Wendy Davis is too. You know discrepancies from her teens were, you know, a national news story. Well, this isn't right. discrepancies, though. And, well, there, but that's, that's one mean, of Jerry Patterson's arguments, right. is I that think there, there yeah. have been discrepancies there, in the description of it. There are two big problems here, from, from my perspective. The first is, I absolutely think it's out of bounds to release medical records like those. I mean, I think that that is a, a huge violation, a huge breach of trust, and honestly, I think that it never should have entered into the dialogue, plus it was 30 years ago. The problem is, when the records did first leak out, and it was just that Dan Patrick had been in a psychiatric facility. He came out and said, nothing to see here, folks. This was minor. No big deal. You know, I was a little depressed. No problem. But then the rest of the records came out that showed that, indeed, this had been far more serious than he was letting on. And so I think that's the sort of discrepancy well, problem. Define, define, define far more serious. Well, he was in for more than two weeks the first time. He was in for about 10 days the second time. He was medicated the first time diagnosed with a chemical imbalance and treated and given drugs. The second time, four years later, you know, kind of a reprise of that. And then there was, a, you know, a suicide attempt. I think when here. you attempt to take your own life, it goes from being mild depression to something that is far more serious. And what Patterson says here, for better or for worse, but what Patterson's line of attack is, is this really isn't about his mental health. And it, this then is, what, this then is, what, then what me, is it about? What, what he says it is about is his... 
uh, truthfulness. He's lying about this. He's lied about other things, Patterson says. And this is another demonstration of of Patrick not being able to tell the truth about major things. uh, Patterson also said, Patterson, who served under Bob Bullock, said, we've already had a lieutenant governor with mental health problems. His name was Bob Bullock, and he was actually very effective. Do you, do you, is it, is, did Bob Bullock have uh, diagnosed mental health problems? He was an alcoholic. He was a recovering alcoholic. Is, is alcoholism mental health problems? Uh, absolutely. Addiction is definitely a mental health problem. I mean, I think... And oh, mental- my God. Am I uncomfortable with this whole conversation? <laughs> I just... I, 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 I think... I think that it is really unfair to... Uh, given the pervasiveness of mental health problems mm-hmm. in this country... To go into a conversation like this, which is not what you all are saying, but I think is implied at a level above us in the way that this has been discussed in the context of the campaign, to go into a conversation like this, given the pervasiveness of mental health issues, and if you expand it to include addiction of all sorts, that somehow mental health issues are a disqualifier. I mean, you know, fitness to to serve in public office, I mean, the, the, the joke you could make is if you disqualified all the crazy people from running for public office, nobody would be in politics. Yeah, if we cured narcissism, we'd have to draft people to serve. But, but you know, I actually I actually think materially there is a difference between uh, bankruptcy and running from your debts, as has been alleged. Patrick has, has disputed the particulars of that aspect of the story. I do think that there is a material difference between that. I think there's a material difference. You know, Roger Jones in the Dallas Morning News editorial blog yesterday was saying, why is this any different than George W. Bush's DUI or DWI, which came up at the end of the 2000 presidential campaign? Why is that any different? Um, uh, that happened a long time ago. Why is, why is this somehow off limits and that's not? I think there's something different about that. It is not yet against the law in this country to be mentally ill or to be an addict. I think that that's a sign of, of, of weakness of a personal nature that requires a treatment and help and compassion. And I think that breaking the law or running from your debts or whatever else is a much more material uh, issue that would call into question potentially somebody's fitness to, to, to serve in public office. I think this has been handled by the people who released this stuff in a very insensitive and clumsy way that deserves to splash back on them. Um, Dan Patrick has provided the Dewhurst campaign with ample material to attack him. And if the Dewhurst campaign has been too inept, frankly, to use the material they've been provided, and this is the last resort that they've got, then I think shame on them. Well, the other argument is that, you know, you should know everything about these guys' past if you're going to give them these powerful jobs and the voters can make a decision. And apparently they're deciding on this one in the same direction you are talking about. Where does everything stop, though? What does that mean? Like they, well, no, I, well, no, I mean it. Welcome to the philosophy podcast. Oh, philosophy 101. No, seriously, put the bong down for a minute. Wait. What where, did we where just does, say? Where that, does, that's addiction. Suddenly, I'm a sophomore in college again. This is great. They've decided that everything in somebody's past is fair game. Right? Who's they? Well, I mean, that's kind of what you well, said, right? No, I mean, but the but the things in in people's past if it affects their ability to um, perform in a job. But where do you draw the line on that? at things that don't affect your ability to perform in a job. What evidence is there that this thing, I'm not asking you, I'm kind of asking the, you know, the, the onstage chorus here, right? But what evidence is there that Patrick's issues all those years ago 
in any way bear on his fitness to do the job. Well, I think if there was evidence of that, that then we would be talking about this differently. I'm not sure right. that there is evidence of that. Right. You, have, you, you, might have be, past... you might be less uncomfortable with it if it was a pressing issue that wasn't 30 years old. Right. You, yeah. have, a, you have a past issue. Right. Okay, that's a data point. You have current behavior. Okay, that's a data point. Does the past thing affect the current uh, okay, thing? So and if it does, then you say, well, that's let, how I'm going to decide on this election. You, let me give you an example. And I also think that but with okay. – do you want to do an example? you want me to see – I was just going to say yeah. I think that the way that the these documents came out is also relevant because it's not like Jerry Patterson went around just digging in Dan Patrick's medical files. I mean they were part of a lawsuit that Dan Patrick filed and it sort of came out – in that process, or so was part of the public record that would likely, will likely, would have come up at some point. So the the president of the TMA, the Texas Medical Association, wrote a piece in Trib Talk, our op-ed site, uh, on this particular issue, and said the fact that these documents were released, you know, in the process of this lawsuit, makes this not illegal, makes this not a violation of HIPAA, but it's still wildly immoral. I mean, that was sort of the whole gist that they made. So it may not, you know, I think in the sort of medical uh, community, the fact that this was released by, by way of a lawsuit is neither here nor there. I know a lot of people who really, really dislike Dan Patrick and really hate his politics, who are completely on his side in this. And thing. who and actually have... shouldn't have been out and shouldn't have been that he shouldn't be going through this and that this is a strike against Dewhurst and Patterson and everybody else who brought it out. I've had Republican uh, uh, voters, reliable Republican voters say to me over the last week, you know, I am not for Dan Patrick. I do not find Dan Patrick's positions on issues to be tolerable or good for the state, but I'm going to vote for him as a result of the way this has been handled by the yeah. other side. And I think that's a real it's, – it's, it's backsplash. What I was going to say, Reeve, was there, there isn't an individual in the news right now, without naming any names, a public figure in Texas who is alleged to have, um, to have done something as a student that would have been a violation of – uh, an honor code or school policy or what have you, something that, you know, you if, if it were your kid in school, you would go, well, that's horrible. And this is a long... And it's it, about too strong a reaction. Well, a, but no, no, no. But you would think this, this, this calls into pers- question this person's character. And it was probably 30 years ago, right? So we're talking about 30 years ago. So probably right. 30 years ago. Right. Um, are we going to go back now and 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 talk about people's... We always have, but 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 you know, but there, but I think that there's. Have you ever read it like a Texas Monthly profile? Like there's people a, go back and there's a pass. difference. But I think the difference between these kinds of things, like health issues, and I think honestly, addiction, mental health stuff. I mean, I find that to be in a different category than than some of this other stuff. I, I'm I'm made very uncomfortable by this entire thing, and I think this just leads to the further. Um, uh, destruction of people's uh, view of politics. I just think it, it, all, it all just makes it bad. What about people's grades and college courses that have nothing to do with what they're doing now? I don't particularly think that stuff is relevant or or, or interesting we either. We had that great moment in the 98 lieutenant governor's race where we found out that John Sharp and Rick Perry were both C, C students, students and now one's a governor and the other one's a chancellor of a university. Oh, man. I mean, going forward... George uh, Bush's uh, Yale lawmakers, right. Lawmakers' Gentlemen Facebook C, pages right. and Twitter accounts from way back when, you know, they were in their teens and 20s. All this stuff's going to come back up. I mean, some of this stuff is, in, you know, it's sort of all on the table and you decide when you're running a campaign whether you're going to present this or not. And part of your conversation about this is... Does this hurt my opponent or does it hurt me? And I think the calculation on this one was wrong. But if, you know, somebody came forward in a presidential race and said, you know, I found out that I found out this thing about that candidate from many, 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 many years ago that probably has nothing to do with what's going on with them now. Bill Clinton did this in high school or George Bush did this in college. 
if you don't, you know, if you don't talk about that or you don't bring it up, everybody on your side goes, why didn't you bring that up? That defines his or her character. Everybody on the other side says that's offensive. You know, the argument here is, you know, present all the information you've got and let the voters decide. It looks like having done that, it looks like, you know, Patrick's so Mark, having his day. The market right is speaking against the releasers. Right. In right. So, an, yeah. so an envelope shows up here at the office two weeks ago with the, with the medical records. And as Emily says, they were part of a legal matter, so it's not illegal to or against a violation of HIPAA to have them. Right. So prior to these things being out, you're the only reporter, you're the only journalist in the entire state who has these records. Do you publish a story on the basis of those records? The first thing you do is you report it all the way down. You, you take those records, you call the Patrick campaign, you say, what is this? You call the other campaigns, you, 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 know, you put all of the information that you can gather together together, and then you sit down and look at it and make a decision. And for example, when we wrote about this first, the first people who wrote about this were the Quorum Report, I believe. And they wrote without Patrick's response. And Patrick responded at some length about the care he had received in the 80s about this stuff. And but they I, did seek I, his response. Yeah, they right. sought his response. Well, yeah, yeah, but they printed without it. And, and the decision that we made was a little bit easier because his response moved this to some extent from the realm of here's this guy's medical records to here's this, here's this battle going on in the lieutenant governor's race. This is mm-hmm. now a political thing. We didn't, you know, we had the easy way out because we didn't make the first decision. And, and Patrick sort of made the decision for us. But if you'd had that stuff, if you'd had all of that stuff and it proved out and it turned out to be correct and you'd given everybody an opportunity to respond, I would have said, yeah, you run this. What I'm interested in finding out is how many un, uh, how many Texas officials listening to this heard Evan's thing about questionable behavior in their student days and are now thinking that, that he was talking about them. Only the ones who were students. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and did questionable things. Like, ah. right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I worry about students who didn't do any questionable things. Uh, well. Clearly. I, let's, I, I don't know if this is him or not. I'm going to assume no, but let's move on to a different Texas official, unless we have anything more to say about Dan Patrick and David Dewhurst. This official went to Stanford and Harvard. He probably didn't get into any trouble. That's true. Oh, yeah. yeah. They never get in any trouble. You know, it, was probably, it was probably the other one that got into the trouble. Right. right? Uh, so Julian like, Castro, who is the mayor of San Antonio, has been tapped to be the next. Not, not, not actually yet. We think we'll be tapped, right? He's in been the process official? of being tapped. He's, Mid-tap. I mean, well, he's, yeah. he's been tapped by Obama, and then he'll have to be confirmed by the Senate. So so, it, somebody has to quit the Office of Management and Budget. Somebody who's right. now at the... Health and uh, she's on her way out. Housing and urban development has to move over to OMB, and then somebody has to say, "Hey, I mean, let's build this a big job." Musical with. a game of musical chairs. Well, I didn't say in... what he was going to be tapped for, though. I never got to that. Oh, housing and urban development. Okay, secretary. <laughs> sorry, did I? Yes, secretary. Of... Spoiler. Yeah, sorry. Spoiler alert. But there's a big game of musical chairs afoot. So if all of these people move around into the positions that Obama apparently wants them to go into. San Antonio Mayor Julian Castro will head to Washington, where in theory, you know, he could bunk with his uh, twin brother who's serving in Congress there. Twin brother's wife and kid may have an issue about that. True. Yeah. (laughs) But you could have the whole family back together. Yeah, that'd be great. They can have the bottom buck. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's Joaquin Castro, Congressman. We should say his name, right? Should we say that? Uh, So is this a good move or a bad move for Julian if he moves to D.C.? It moves him into – it continues his building of a national profile, probably started with the Democratic convention speech uh, two years ago or a year and a half ago. And, um, you know, there's already talk that 
if Hillary is the nominee, then maybe Castro or somebody like that could be the vice presidential nominee. Puts him in the conversation. Does the same thing for him that it, uh, that it looked like it was going to do for Henry Cisneros back in the day when Bill Clinton was the president. Henry Cisneros was the housing and urban development secretary and looked like, you know, the rising national Hispanic. And uh, that fell apart. But here we are again, you know. So he'd been asked before. He'd been approached about about the transportation job in Obama's cabinet and had basically indicated, you know, I prefer to stay in San Antonio on my current job. Apparently, the HUD job has sort of been too good to pass up and that, you know, it falls far more along the lines of the things that Castro is particularly interested in. So it may be, you know, a better Well, it fit. has the word urban in it. And he couldn't say no twice. I, I, you know, I don't know, Reeve. I'm I'm going to take everybody's position that this is a good thing for him with a grain of salt. I don't understand how this advances the ball for him nationally, right? So you know, the HUD secretary is always a household name. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Sure. Who is um, it now? Well, it's Sean um, Donovan now. Yeah, but, exactly. But, obviously. Uh, look, save. look, 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 look. Mayor, Mayor Castro uh, has his reasons for doing this. Ray Donovan? Did you say? Not Ray Donovan. <laughs> what's the one? What's the uh, uh, the the show on Showtime. What is that? Is that Ray Donovan? Yeah. I'm thinking Ray Donovan, the labor secretary under Reagan. Oh. Remember that? Yeah, that's who I was thinking of. Yeah, I'm sure you were. Where do I go to get my <laughs> yeah, reputation back? Right, right exactly. yeah, Ray Donovan. Um, if, if, Hillary, if Hillary Clinton runs for president and is the nominee and she's looking for balance on the ticket, without leaving San Antonio, he's extraordinary balance. She's old, white, female, federal, legislative, and foreign policy focused. He's young, male, Hispanic, executive, domestic policy focused, and um, uh, and kind of you know, his portfolio of issues is is a very different portfolio than than hers. I mean, it's it's ter- she's old, he's young, the oh, balance is nice. so perfect. But, well, look, but she's no going to federal- be 69 years old when she runs for president. He is sub 40 right now. 70 from a From a balance standpoint, without Let's going to so. Washington, the balance <laughs> is there. And he has the added benefit of being a Washington outsider. But, he now makes himself a Washington insider. But can you move to can, uh, how many mayors have, have? Well, you don't want to get palinized. You want to have some yeah. federal. You want to have some federal chops. You want to have some ability when people look at her in the way that they looked at McCain and said, you know, what if what if that old president dies? What's the vice president going to be he's able to make, do? And you know, if he's been if he's been a mayor, they're going to go. Oh, I didn't have the mayor experience. of the seventh largest city. Look, I, it's I, a city manager. I'm government. just not, not sure that being executive. HUD secretary makes you the person to go toe to toe with Putin in the Ukraine. I, you know, well, does he need to go toe to toe? Well, but I'm, but I'm taking Ross's point, as you know, also, we got we can Ukraine? See the Ukraine from San Antonio. We need somebody. We need somebody <laughs> who can who wrong. can stand up there, to Texas. <laughs> but there's another there's another problem here. There's Other another than problem. Your pronunciation here. Things. with the Ukraine. Yeah. What's wrong with the Ukraine? umbrella? You're really becoming a Texan. What, the three of you just shut up. <laughs> Todd, turn the whole thing off. This is What's the, the other. This problem? is the other problem. The other problem is it's the second half of a second term of a president who, in Texas at least, is not terribly popular, who is likely to have a Republican-controlled Congress. The show is over. I've said this to Ross. This is like John Stamos joining the cast of ER in the 13th season. The show is over. I was already already gone. The show is over. But John Stamos didn't really have any other options at the time. Could that be the case with uh, Julian Castro here in Texas? No, Julian Castro's – nice pivot. Julian Castro's options, in theory, were – were are were to remain in office through the end of his term limited time, which would be May of seventeen, and then turn around and run for governor against Greg Abbott. If he does not, end or up Wendy on, Davis, or Wendy Davis, 
Well, presumably he wouldn't run against Wendy Davis. I mean, the point would be the only, the only argument would be that he would run against Greg Abbott. If he goes to Washington and ends up not being on a Hillary ticket. Then he can come back ticket. and run for governor against. But he runs for governor with a thick file folder full of photographs of him right next to that very popular President Obama. What do you think Ron Kirk thinks about this move? I bet Ron Kirk thinks it's a good thing. I think uh, that's my first question for every move. <laughs> I bet he thinks it's, it's really well, hard. It's really hard in mayor, Texas. I mean, Ron, Ron Kirk, Bill White. I mean, it's hard Kirk for big Watson, city. It's hard for big city mayors to run statewide. In fact, it doesn't work. But I just, I just <laughs> you know, know, so 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 the so the issue so is, you why know, maybe, not go? maybe mm-hmm. I need to get some more stuff in my resume. You know, this would help a vice presidential run because you'd have some federal contact, some federal, you know, you'd know some people in Washington, you'd be around that ilk, right? And and you wouldn't have some of the Sarah Palin problems. You wouldn't have the, you know, never been here, doesn't know what she's doing. You know, it's being Does taken, he read? It's being uh, taken as a, uh, as a sign by some people that the conversation in Texas about Democrats coming back into power soon is... Is largely been closed. That this, that I think this is unfair reading of it. But that somehow Castro's decision to go means he's decided. Well, there's not going to be an opportunity for a Democrat to win statewide. Well, there's certainly something. not one now, and well, he's actually he's said this. We, right. we were asking him, you know, at the state Democratic convention, whenever that was, two years ago. Are you thinking about running in 2014? And he basically said it's not time yet, and said, you know, it's not ripe. And until Wendy Davis jumped up with the filibuster and everything. The conversation up until that day was, who's going to run for this job? Nobody really wants to, you know, it looks like whoever does this is going to fall short. Why would you want to do that to your career? Who's going to take the bullet for the Democrats? And 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 Wendy Davis is now the candidate, but the layout is the same as it was. And I think Castro looked at it and assessed it. I think Anise Parker looked at it and assessed it. I think a lot of these people looked at it and went, mm, not in 2014, maybe not in 2016. Yeah, do you think maybe, what else you got? Well, HUD secretary. Maybe after two years as HUD secretary, eight years as vice president, maybe then it will be ripe and you can come back and run for governor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, only, only on House of Cards. <laughs> right. <laughs> after he's pushed a few reporters under the train. Right. Oh, spoiler. Stay, alert, out, of sub- stay out of subways. Uh I mean, yes, Reeve. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, do I, do we I, do we think that you know one of the things that's come up? You know, this people sort of have been acting recently like this is a done deal, but like you said, he's going to have to be con- confirmed. And now there are stories about how San Antonio, while he was mayor, may have misspent HUD money. You know, do, will that be a? Uh, I mean, expect the Republicans a problem for to him. throw anything. I've also seen stories, you know, speculating on the way he makes his living, and you know, I mean, they're going to throw everything at him. Yeah, not every move's about the next move. Some moves are about the move itself. And it may be that, you know, this is what he wants to do. This is a, a piece of his resume that he wants yeah. to do. He may want to go into HUD and clean some stuff up. He might have some specific goal there that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with all the all the things we're talking about. But with regard it to might your advance question, his resume further down. With regard to your question, it's not a, a slam dunk confirmation. I mean, you know, he's a choir boy, I think. His, his reputation has been that there's not anything right. – personal that would be a problem and there may be some of this other stuff that you're talking about but you're going into a situation in which the congress is very adversarial to the president and they're not necessarily going to stand aside and allow the president's nominee to pass on well they're un, not going right. to sit- and beyond that there, there's no guarantee that even if uh, his background is stellar they're going to probably rough him up a little bit just because they say he's a rising democratic star we got to give him a couple of bruises not going to help you make your farm team here yeah mm-hmm. Hopefully he's got his medical records sealed away. (laughs) And seen. And that that one time back in college, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, especially that time. He can always blame it on his brother. Or was that That the other Texas official? 
I don't know. Uh, there's another Texas official moving on, for sure. This one is a slam dunk. Uh, state Senator Robert Duncan is leaving the state Senate. Slam Duncan. He's leaving the state? <laughs> slam Duncan. Yeah, Lubbock <laughs> isn't that far. <laughs> it's pretty far. It looks pretty different from central no Texas. El Paso, Ross. That's east of my hometown. Are you guys surprised? Robert Duncan, Chancellor of Texas Tech University System, replacing been, Ken Hans. He's been in the mix for this job ever since it's been you know talked about, ever since Hans stepped down, you know, Duncan has been one of the names mentioned, and there have been a number of reasons sort of thrown up for why probably wouldn't be Duncan. You know, Perry um, blamed him for some of the problems Perry had getting things passed at the end of the 2011 session, is that right, or 2009? Yep, 2011. 2011. Yeah. So there was that. Perry appointed the regents, you know, and then Perry sent the regents a note basically saying, you know, Duncan and I are fine. Um Rob Janelle, who's now a federal judge, was in the mix at one point. Well, there was also concern uh, about whether Duncan had the chops to fundraise. Is he a, fun- a, is he a, a fundraiser? chancellor these days is really chief well, fundraising and, officer. And, and, and really the big problem the there is that, you know, Kent Hans is a beast at fundraising. I mean, he's just a monster at it. He's been really, really remarkably successful even after – John Montford, and he'll remain in the chair as so. chairman as a chancellor emeritus, right? He has he'll a remain in a different chair, in a different chair, but and he'll continue to be deployed on behalf of the tech system. But right. but clearly, whatever reservations they had about Duncan on the fundraising side were ameliorated by some discussion with him and others. Right. And so, it, well, I think when the job came open, a lot of people thought, "Oh, this is Duncan's Duncan. for the taking." And then the board insisted on a national search that took quite some time, and they came around and eventually decided that right. it would be that Robert this is Duncan. Duncan's for the taking, right? <laughs> and so, and so, Charles Perry is announced now, state representative from Lubbock. Um, you know, Tea Party bona fides has All announced is another election. Right. So we'll have a special election for the Duncan seat. I guess it's a special, right? Yeah, it'll be a special. I would imagine if this, pro- for the if this progresses the... right, uh, Duncan will resign. And the governor will call a special election probably for the same day as the November 4th election. general election. And then it'll have be to be a special as well for Perry's. For Charles Perry's seat, depending That's on tricky. when he resigns. So, right, so, yeah. so Perry has to drop out of the re-election race in order to run for Senate. So the first thing he has to do is pull his name off of the 2014 ballot. The second thing is if he looks at it and says, you know, if I resign now, the governor can call a special election, but I also interrupt pension and benefits and all of that kind of stuff. So would he but, but my question is, can a Republican candidate in that district get on the ballot for a special election? Not while Perry is still in office, because the special election would be for the stub term. But then November comes. Anytime before who's September on November, when they sent the who's ballot. Who's on the November ballot? Well, the, the party chiefs in the counties that have this district. I think this one goes outside of Lubbock County. Um, but the... Party chairs in those districts can appoint right. someone to put on the ballot. It's not exactly a competitive. Jesus Christ could come back down and run as a Democrat and lose that district. I mean, that is a non-competitive district. It's a Republican district. <laughs> uh, so, Depends but, on but, if but, Jesus Christ ran as a Democrat. Well, but the point on the point on Perry, <laughs> the point on Perry, it would be a miracle. Yeah. It would be. It would be a miracle. Uh, the, oh, 120% the, turnout. How about that? <laughs> the point on Perry is that it's another case of subtracting somebody who is less conservative and adding somebody who is more conservative from the Texas Senate. Texas Senate's going to make the last Texas Senate look like the Politburo. When you look at the changes, uh, the addition of some folks who are lateral moves from a conservatism standpoint, you know, Patrick for Betancourt. Right. Right. But uh, Van Taylor for Paxton. But. Um, uh, Creighton or Toth is a step up on the conservative scale from Tommy Williams. Perry is a step up. Tommy Williams is on line one. <laughs> well, but it's true. I mean, look, Tommy Williams is a conservative guy by the conventional standards of politics. These ain't conventional times, okay? Uh, Charles Perry is a more conservative uh, right. c- character than Robert Duncan. 
Um, you've got a very conservative Senate coming into office, and I can whip the votes. Two-thirds rule is dead as a doornail based on the people who are in that building, I think, right? Right. Right. You have 11 Democrats, assuming Connie Burton or Mark Shelton wins the Senate seat rather than Libby Willis in Fort Worth. You've got Seliger and uh, and Eltife, who are former mayors and therefore are pragmatists by disposition, are not liberals by any stretch of the imagination, but are less conservative probably than some other folks in the building. And then you've got the remainder who are all rock-ribbed, moving conservatives. Right. So it's going to be a very different Senate. And we'll talk about it on next year's TribCast next- when we're in that Senate. It's a long wait. We'll, yeah, we'll have several in between. We'll right. continue to do it that's weekly. Some, that's some foreshadowing there. Come back <laughs> next spring for more talk about the new Texas Senate. Uh, we'd like to invite you to send questions and comments to texastribune.org. We'd like to thank Shiny Ribs for doing our music. And on behalf of Emily, Ross, Evan, and our producer Todd, I'd like to encourage you to review us on iTunes. This is Reeve. Thanks for listening. My stomach may growl audibly on this podcast.